0: Welcome, everyone, to the NBA Gambling Podcast, part of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. It is Tuesday, January 17th. Yes, it is. Currently 11.05 on the East Coast. Here to recap what we saw yesterday in uh, at the Association on MLK Day and dig into the four-game schedule here, of course, on Tuesday night. But joining me to break down... The NBA betting card, you guys know him as a voice on the NFL Gambling Podcast, the WNBA Gambling Podcast. Of course, you're on the NBA Gambling Podcast, and pretty sure he's not getting any sleep right now covering tennis at the Australian Open. It's Scott Studio Rochelle. Scott, what's going on, my man?
1: Uh, Nothing much. Looking forward to going through the NBA today. I know there are a lot of games on yesterday. I'm not sure how many of them were actually good throughout, which is a separate story, which has kind of been a a bit of a problem lately. A lot of blowouts, but we had a couple of good games. You had the Utah game, you had the Knicks game, and you also had the Lakers game late, late last night. Mm -hmm. Those were really the only competitive games. (laughs) Every other game was kind of lopsided to some degree. So... Definitely some games we're going to talk about briefly. I'm sure we're going to recap, but overall, pretty fun day in the association. Hopefully this day, which is significantly less crowded, let's put it that way, is yeah. also entertaining.
0: Yeah. Um, yesterday was a day of blowouts, but I get some lopsided matchups as well. Um Let's see here. Yeah, you mentioned the games that were pretty much close. That that Milwaukee and Indiana game was close until it got to the fourth quarter where just Milwaukee absolutely just blew them or not blew, yeah, you could say blew them out of the water in that fourth quarter. 39 to 21 in that fourth quarter. Who would have thought it would have been the TJ McConnell game for the Indiana Pacers? He finished the game up with uh 29 points, nine five sorry, five rebounds, and nine assists. Miles Turner chipped in with 30 points and eight rebounds. Um, But, yeah, you mentioned the competitive games there. Raptors and the Knicks went into overtime. Uh, The Raptors get the victory there in Madison Square Garden by two points, led by Fred Van Vliet, who had 33 points for the Toronto Raptors. R.J. Barrett, pretty good game for the Knicks as well. He finished the game with 32 points last night. Um, Anything else that kind of stuck out to you? I know we also mentioned the... Utah Jazz and the Minnesota Timberwolves game there. That kind of went or did go down to the wire where Utah Jazz got the one-point victory.
1: Yeah, but even there, I can't even blame Gobert fully because he got injured. Yeah, So that helps explain why Walker Kessler went for 20 and 21. And he's definitely been a very solid rookie. I don't think he's going to win Rookie of the Year, obviously, but he has made quite a name for himself. It's a good Mm -hmm. win there. Uh, Not exactly surprised Minnesota fell apart. Uh, in the fourth quarter, get, uh, getting outscored 39-30 to uh, 30 there in mm-hmm. the fourth. A couple of high-scoring players in that in yesterday's action, which isn't totally surprising, but Tatum at over 50, maybe at 51. Mm-hmm. LeBron finished with 48 finish at 48, okay. So yeah. LeBron at 48, Curry at 41. You mm-hmm. had a couple of really just impressive scoring performances, I'm not sure if any of them really surprised me. I guess Tatum surprised me, even though I thought he'd have a good game just yeah. because fifty's fifty. Was I shocked that Houston couldn't guard LeBron? No, I was not okay. exactly surprised that LeBron got whatever he wanted. The main surprise in that game, though, for me was Shang-Goon, who I still love as a player. I wasn't expecting 33 15 and 6 with four blocks. You think Houston actually plays through him from now on, or do you think that Jalen Green and Kevin Porter Jr. are just too much of uh, let's say, ball hogs, let's put it that way, that Shangoon will never actually be able to run the offense through him because I think we can agree Houston looked like its best version mm. when Shangoon was the first option.
0: Yeah, and I think that's really what's been the consensus for Rockets fans is that they need to play through Shangoon because they're starting to crown him as name of Baby Joker um, as far as what we've kind of seen from Shane Goon this season. So I think, yeah, the, he's really going to have to be the guy that the offense is going to have to run through. Um, I, I think for the Rockets, what's going to happen and I, I, what I think will happen is that they'll keep Silas through the end of the season, secure that bottom three worst record, let him go, bring in a head coach um, that will have – a top three pick, plenty of cap space, and then players that he can build around with. You know, like you mentioned, Shane Goon I think, should be the primary guy on offense. You have Jalen Green, um, and then Jabari Smith. I think everybody else is pretty much expendable, uh, for the Houston Rockets. I don't expect Kevin Portman Jr. to be back next season. Uh, Eric Gordon should be moved, should be moved. We've been hearing about that move for about three seasons now, uh, by the trade deadline, but. Yeah, I think Shane Goon looked great last night. And, you know, the numbers speak for himself on what he's been able to do for this Rockets team. I mean, look, 33 points last night on 14 of 17 shooting. He also grabbed 15 rebounds. The one thing he does need to work, and I've talked about this a lot, is that he just needs to stay out of foul trouble because he just commits silly fouls. But, yeah, Scott, when he is on the floor, the offense looks a lot better. And he's a guy that can, you know, run the offense for you, make the smart decisions, and finish around the basket at will.
1: Yeah, it definitely seemed like he was just a matchup nightmare for the Lakers. It helps when Anthony Davis isn't playing, but the point is uh, you just saw Shengun. I can't say go toe-to-toe with LeBron, but he did a hell of a job. He looked like the second-best player on the court in the game, and that's really all I can ask for, for for a young player like Shengun. I'll ask you, though, uh, the same question. Uh, You have any takeaways from yesterday's action? Because I kind of mentioned the main... Uh, I'd say player performances that were worth noting. Uh, I mentioned how most of the games weren't that competitive. Did anything else stand out to you?
0: No, I mean, I think that kind of went the way that I thought it would. Um, I I mean, just to kind of recap the picks, I think we can kind of mesh it together. Um, I, I thought Memphis would come out and just split some in that first half. Unfortunately for them, it happened in the second half. Uh, where they just outscored the Phoenix Suns what was it sixty eight to like twenty sorry forty one, um, so they took care of business there. Phoenix is again we've talked at volumes about Phoenix on um, you know even if they do get healthy what is uh, what's the direction that they want to go in? Um, yeah, nothing else really kind of stood out to me. Milwaukee, yeah, we touched on Milwaukee. I thought Cleveland would take care of business yesterday as well, being at home. New it Orleans took, without it took a while. Quarter. Yeah, it really took that fourth quarter for them to uh, pull away from the Pelicans. But you know the Pelicans and I mentioned this on a pod yesterday is that without Brandon Ingram and Zion Williamson, if C.J. McCollum has a bad game, you know it's always a mystery you now who's going to step up on any given night without their top 2 players and if you kind of just look at their schedule since Zion left the teams that they've beaten are below 500 right and i mentioned the wizards the pistons and the rockets that they have beat but other teams that are above 500 they've lost they lost they lost the game to right the Cavs, uh the mavericks the nets uh with kevin durant at that point and then the sixers and the grizzlies so i think that's something worth noting that if pelicans are playing a team below 500 they take care of business but when it when it step up to better competition without their top two guys. I think that you probably want to, at that point, probably want to fade them. But other than that, I think that, yeah, everything kind of played out the way um, the games did. I I think for the Warriors, it was a telling sign that they did have Curry go out there on a back-to-back night because they know they needed a victory on the road. They finally, you know, do get a road victory. Um It took Curry and pulled to combine for 73 of their 127 points to get that game. But eventually they won the game. They covered. So other than that, I didn't really see anything that kind of stuck out to me. Uh, We mentioned you mentioned the player performances, but anything else that kind of stuck out to you?
1: No, I I feel like that kind of sums it up. Uh, Just a couple of games that were competitive down the wire. Most were not. Atlanta's game was not competitive. Don't let the scoreboard fool you. That game was over at halftime, and then Atlanta just stopped caring. But, yeah, yeah, those are just my overall thoughts. I thought that it was an action-packed card. Mm -hmm. The issue was there weren't many competitive fourth quarters.
0: Yep, I agree 100%. Um, yeah, so we do have four pretty good games here tonight. Um, we got Raptors, Bucks, we got Nets, Spurs, Blazers, Nuggets, and Sixers and Clippers. So, pretty decent schedule here on the Tuesday night, uh, schedule for the NBA. But before we dive into it here, Scott, let me tell our listeners about our presenting sponsor that is WinBed. And WinBed is the official online sports book of the Sports Gambling Podcast Network. WinBet is active in a bunch of states, and there are a ton of ways to win, including live betting and same-game parlays. The NFL playoffs are here. Great promos, odds, and payoffs are happening right now at WinBet. And if you're ready to play, sign up today to receive a special offer. Bet 100, get 100. Limited state availability. There's so much to choose from. All you have to do is head over to sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash WinBet so they know that we sent you. That's sportsgamblingpodcast.com slash W-Y-N-N-B-E-T offers of a chance terms and conditions at Winbed.com must be 20 years or older and present in the state where play through wind is available. If you or so you know has a gambling problem, call 1-800-522-4700. All right, Scott, let's get into this Tuesday night schedule with the first game on the board. That's going to be the Toronto Raptors and the Milwaukee Bucks, both of whom did play yesterday and won their respective games. Now these two teams will match up in Milwaukee here tonight. Uh, Looking at the opening lines for this game, the Milwaukee Bucks opened up as a a five-and-a-half-point favorite. That number is now sitting at minus four-and-a-half, currently over on win bet. Total opened up at 224. That number has pretty much stayed the course at 224. Uh, Again, no injury report submitted yet because they are both on a back-to-back situation here. Obviously, Giannis did not play yesterday. From what I am reading, I think he should be able to go here tonight uh, for the Milwaukee Bucks. I'll try to see if I can find some more information on that. But
1: Well, it feels that way, doesn't it? Because the spread yeah, is 4.5. Yeah, because and of the
0: back-to-back. Yeah. Uh, but, um, yeah, let's start with the side here. 4.5 for the Milwaukee Bucks. Second matchup. Uh, between these two teams, I know these two teams just matched up uh, earlier this year, Scott. Where I think the Bucks got the narrow victory, one hundred four, one hundred one. I think this was a game, Scott, where it was like thirteen to twelve after the first quarter.
1: Yeah, uh, it was also misleading <laughs> because Milwaukee was winning by like sixteen points with a minute and fifteen seconds left, and they choked yeah, the game 22. and they won an overtime. So yeah. that game wasn't that competitive, and then it turned into a competitive one. Um, My question is, do you think anything really changes in between meetings? I'd I'd say not the ending result being competitive, but the fact that Milwaukee defensively did whatever it wanted. Toronto couldn't hit a shot for the entire game. Mm -hmm. And you're looking at the actual length that Milwaukee has compared to Toronto. And yes, it was a nice win by Toronto yesterday against the Knicks. They've matched up well against the Knicks pretty much all season long. But you're looking at the actual stats for that game that Milwaukee won 104 to 101 and the rebounding differential is just i I mean you got to bring it up it's disgusting. Milwaukee out-rebounded Toronto 73 to 47. Yeah. 73 to 47. And you're looking at the actual points in the paint and Milwaukee actually lost that so you could talk about the fact that Milwaukee really really just dominated on the glass creating second chance opportunities but I do have to at least point out that Milwaukee out-rebounded Toronto by 26. Now, Hmm. Toronto, on the other hand, did shoot 9 of 46 from 3. So they shot 19.6%. I think that's going to improve. But I guess I'm just going to ask it this way. Can Toronto do anything to be more competitive on the boards? Because Milwaukee just has so much length, and Toronto really doesn't have any.
0: No, I don't know. I mean... Toronto, I mean, like you mentioned, I, we touched on this yesterday on the pod, and I want to get your take on this as well, When we're talking about the game here. There's, I think this was one of the teams that we did mention that probably needs to break it up, but there's always a point during the season where they just turn it up, where there's that second half of the season. But at a point, I think that it's one of either Siakam or Fred Van Leet's going to get traded at the trade deadline.
1: I think Siakam's gonna stay. I, I think it's Van I think it's leader yeah. nobody.
0: But yeah. But going back to your point, yeah. I mean, look, uh for me, I think in this game, and if you and it, it, you take a look last night for the Toronto Raptors, right? They went into overtime. And I mean, just look at the minutes that their starters played. Siakam 46, OG Ananobi 40, Scotty Barnes 45, 45 for Fred Fred Van Vliet. And Gary Trent Jr. at forty-two. They only had four guys that came off the bench that played 18, 7, 20, and 3. So I I think that Giannis will probably go here tonight, Scott. Um the Toronto Raptors have just not been very good on the road so far this season. They're eight, ten, and uh eight and ten against the spread.
1: They yeah, are seven six, in- six and thirteen straight up.
0: Yeah, yeah, and they they are seven four against the spread as road underdogs, but I I would anticipate Giannis goes here tonight and probably Drew sits, and we saw what Giannis did in that last game where he put up a triple double against this uh, Milwaukee Bucks team. I'm sorry, against this Toronto Raptors team.
1: Yeah, but even looking at the games yesterday with Toronto winning, they got out rebounded by the Knicks by twelve. Uh, yeah. They lost the rebounding battle fifty four to forty two. Uh, looking at the points in the paint, they got outscored fifty-eight to forty. Mm-hmm. So that was even though they won the game, they had to overcome a pretty lopsided battle there in the paint because yeah. once again, they just don't have many quality centers, if any yeah. quality centers. So that's going to be a serious problem against Milwaukee. Now, Milwaukee did kind of get pushed to the brink there against Indiana, as you mentioned before. That game was close; they were losing uh, for most of the game, and then the fourth quarter came around and they smacked them thirty-nine to twenty-one. Yeah. I guess maybe I'm a bit concerned about the guard defense at the moment when you're giving up 29 points to T.J. McConnell. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> I do think at the end of the day, Milwaukee on the glass should be a little bit too much for Toronto to deal with. Yeah. The question is, do you think Toronto's three-point shooting is good enough with a bunch of fatigued legs to really overcome it, assuming Giannis plays? Yeah. I just can't keep looking at the rebounding numbers and really expect Toronto to win when you're just looking at Portis and Lopez and probably Giannis, how yes. do they not win the rebounding battle by at least 15? In this Yeah, game? I mean,
0: you took that look at matchup earlier. Um, I mean, it was a very, very bad shooting game, but you had three guys, those three guys that you just mentioned, all three of those guys had double-digit rebounding and they finished the game with double-double. So I, I think you're spot on where that they should have an easy time rebounding the basketball here to the Milwaukee Bucks over the uh, Toronto Raptors. But again, this is something that we've talked about over the past couple seasons, that Toronto still doesn't have a true rim protection or a guy that can rebound the basketball for themselves. So I think that's where the advantage is going to be for the Milwaukee Bucks here tonight um, on the boards. And like you mentioned, that's kind of been the theme for the Toronto Raptors.
1: Yeah, and I think for the total itself. So I guess I'm going to lean Milwaukee. Yeah. I think Toronto honest, right. Yeah, of course, uh, depending on Giannis, because even if, you know, Giannis might be a little bit rusty for a quarter, I'm not sure how much of it's going to matter because I don't think Toronto can stay in front of him. But everyone's going to be exhausted. Giannis didn't play yesterday, so he should be well-rested. But Mm -hmm. I'm also looking at the total in this one. I have to like the under. You okay. have two teams that had to use their starters for a decent amount of time yesterday. Mm-hmm. Milwaukee was in a competitive game throughout. I know that they blew, they ended up winning by double digits, but that game was competitive. And Toronto, as you said before, played a bunch of their starters 45-plus minutes, give or take. Yeah. And you're looking at the actual history between these teams. Uh, to go through the recent meetings, four of the last five meetings have had less than, 110 point, than 210 points. Yeah. Uh, you had 205 that went to overtime last mm-hmm. game. Uh, 199, you had 228, you had 190, and you had 206. So I see a lot of low-scoring games between these teams. I'm not surprised. They both play physical defense. They both are – I can't call it a rivalry game, but these teams definitely have matched up very tightly in the past. Yeah, I like the under in this game. I think the totals too high.
0: Yeah, I, I uh, forgot to mention on back-to-back situations this season. Toronto four and two against the spread. Milwaukee four zero and one against the spread. Could be five and zero, just depending on where you got that number. Also on the total, like we're talking about right now, on back-to-back situations. Toronto four and two to the under, and Milwaukee four and one to the under. So some indications there and some trends uh, that are pointing towards the under in this game. Um, also, yeah. uh, just uh-huh, to ma-
1: sorry, just to mention some trends as well for the under. Uh the under's 10-2 in the mm-hmm. last 12 meetings in the head-to-head. The Raptors have done well historically, ATS. They're 5-1 ATS in the last six meetings, and they're 5-0 in the last five meetings in Milwaukee. I'm not sure how much of that matters when half your team might need an oxygen mask to actually, you know, breathe after the second quarter because you played everybody 40-something minutes. But I do like the under in this game. That's probably my favorite play in this one even with the awful shooting that we saw in the first meeting, mm-hmm. you can tell from the first quarter on where the defensive intensity was really, really just noticeable early yeah. on. And yes, both teams couldn't shoot to save their lives. But the point is, I do think the defense forced the offense into some questionable possessions. And once again, a reminder that Toronto decided to wake up in the final 15 minutes game, went to overtime but in reality, that game could have easily finished below 200. Like that game should have yeah. finished somewhere in the 190s.
0: Yeah, I agree 100%. Um, any player props that we are looking at in this game? I mean, we talked a lot about the rebounds here, but um, what kind of sticks out to you if you have any player props that you do like here, Scott?
1: Well, I think you got to go back to Bobby Portis' double-double. You can talk about Lopez blocks, you know, the usual suspects. Maybe Giannis, but of course, you're not going to find out what his number is. And I'm wondering how sharp he's going to look. But I do think you're going to end up seeing the main three guys from Milwaukee just kill them on the glass. Mm -hmm. And that's what we saw in the first meeting. I don't really see much changing. Portis, we saw go for 21-11 yesterday. I like him to go for a double-double. Besides that, I'm trying to think of what I like for Toronto. Maybe Van Vliet threes solely just for volume, even though he hasn't been that efficient with the threes lately. But I think it's mostly just Milwaukee rebounders because we know Toronto cannot stop anybody on the glass. And Milwaukee's one of the best rebounding teams in the league.
0: I agree. Uh, all right. Uh, let's get over to the next game of the night. It's going to be your Brooklyn Nets in San Antonio to take on the Spurs. Uh, looking at the opening lines, For this game, the Brooklyn Nets open up as a six-point favorite. That number's now been bet down to minus 5.5. Total open up at 235. That number's now sitting at, let's say, 232 at most books. Uh, Looking at the injury report for both of these teams for the Brooklyn Nets, pretty clean injury report. Obviously, we know about the news of Kevin Durant. For the San Antonio Spurs, uh, Doug McBuckets is uh, questionable here tonight with upper back tightness, and we know Devin Vassell is going to be missing some time uh, recovering from the left knee procedure. Um, first couple games here for the Brooklyn Nets. They look like they've, I mean, they not look like, but they have struggled on the offensive side of the basketball, especially when you lose a guy like Kevin Durant, one of the best offensive players in the association Um, their last two games, they've scored 102 against the thunder and 98 against the Boston Celtics. But now Scott, I think we get to find out um, if that was just adjustments that they were kind of going through with without Kevin Durant going up against the San Antonio Spurs, who let's face it, are the worst defense along with the Houston Rockets um, in the association this season. Um, Let's start with the side. We'll get over to the total and the player props as usual, but let's start with the side here, Scott. Minus five and a half for the Brooklyn Nets on the road against the San Antonio Spurs.
1: I think I'm going to lean San Antonio in this one. Now, the Spurs are not a good team. We've talked about them time and time again. They are competitive at times. The Nets, I still think, are going to have to work through it without Durant, and you can tell offensively they have really just not been clicking at all. Boston, we know, is a great defensive team. That happens. It was a game that mattered. Jalen Brown didn't play. But still, you saw that Boston put the clamps down defensively. They've done that at various points this season. The OKC performance is concerning. And I like this OKC team. I think we all do. They're just fun. They're ahead of schedule. They've helped, they have a lot of young talent. They can't score. Like, Oklahoma City is not a good defensive team. They're just entertaining a shake and go for 35 or 40 at the drop of a hat. But offensively, this team has struggled. Last meeting, Brooklyn killed this team. They won the game by 36. Uh, Kyrie had the tip slam that everyone remembers. But Mm -hmm. I kind of wonder if this game's especially circled on the Spurs calendar, kind of, just to try to avenge what happened earlier. But historically speaking, the Nets are awful traveling to San Antonio. They are insanely bad traveling there. I'm trying to remember how many wins they've had in San Antonio since the NBA Finals back in like the early 2000s. Oh. I think they have one or two wins in San Antonio since. They are historically awful traveling to San Antonio. And as a Nets fan, I could tell you that no matter what happens, they usually lose to the Spurs in San Antonio. Now, San yeah. Antonio has been a lot better in years past, so I guess it's not the same comparison. But you can look it up. This team, whenever I they travel it. to San Antonio, is <laughs> just a walking out. Every time they travel. So I'm actually going to lean San Antonio. So let's go back to. I'm pretty sure they have like one win in San Antonio since game three of the NBA finals or something absurd or game two. It's been it's been an eternity. So
0: how far back do you want to go? Let's go all the way back to 19. Let's go back to 1994 since 1994. Let me quickly count up how many games they played here. One, two. 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21, 22, 23, 23 plus 3 is 26. So since 1994, they've played 26 games in San Antonio. Scott, I'm going to let you guess on how many of uh, games in San Antonio they've won in that span.
1: Well, I know that they've won basically one in the last 20 years. The question is, how many did they win from 94 onward? Yeah. Give me two and 24. So
0: they've won four. Okay. Since 94. Now they do have back-to-back wins. They won last season in San Antonio on March 1st. And then, uh, Ju- sorry, January 21st last year, 117-102. So. Yeah, I mean, God, that was like crazy to see. But
1: I just remember as a Nets fan, sure, that was al- yeah. that was always brought up in broadcast when we were playing against San Antonio. You know, they haven't won here since the NBA Finals. I'm like, don't remind me. It's been 20 years. Like, yeah. we know. We can't beat this team in San Antonio. Once again, the Spurs were the cream of the crop for most of those 20 years. Mm. But it does concern me a little bit with the Nets laying five and a half when this team historically is awful traveling here. But it's also the offense. I, I think yep. that even though San Antonio defensively is a mess, do I think the Nets can fully take advantage of it? Right now, I'm not so sure they can enough to actually cover this number. Mm. And the fact that money's coming on San Antonio, people are betting against Kyrie in the Nets. Yeah. Doesn't that seem like a bit of sharp money there? Because I don't know why anyone would be sprinting the bet on the Spurs.
0: Yeah. Um, and I did like San Antonio in this game as well. With you, Atwood the, at the taking up points with them, just because was, of was
1: that before you knew about the head to head record?
0: That was definitely before I had. Now that just gave me more confidence about what you just mentioned there. But yeah, I think again, when you lose a player like Kevin Durant, who is probably the best scorer, pure scorer in the league right now, um, there's going to be a significant adjustment period, right? And and Durant has been one of the more consistent guys in the association as far as scoring the basketball, but with Kyrie, you know, he can have a bad shooting night and we don't know when he's going to return to form. And again, there's a significant fall off after that when your next best player is Ben Simmons, who's not an offensive guy, you know, he'll fill up the stat sheet as far as rebounds and assists for you, but then you're just relying on three point shooting from guys like Seth Curry, Joe Harris, maybe TJ Warren. He can score the basketball for you off the bench, but Um, I, I, like I said, I've mentioned this before is I need to see it before I can bet on this Brooklyn Nets team. So, um, even without Devin Vassell, I know Kelvin Johnson should be playing here tonight. Trey Jones has been absolutely incredible for this, uh, San Antonio Spurs team. We'll get to the player props here in a second, but as far as the side, I think I'm with you for sure on this San Antonio Spurs team. So give me the plus five, what is it? Five and a half that I mentioned, um, for the Spurs right now against the Brooklyn Nets. Again, the offense is a concern, like you mentioned, and, I need to see what Jacques Vaughn does um, because I think this game will be telling when you go up against a worse defense and see how many points they do put up in this game. So plus five and a half for me as well. Total, Scott, 233. Which way are you leaning here?
1: I think I'm going to lean under. Uh, the main thing I've noticed from watching the Nets without Durant is obviously the lack of offensive punch. Kyrie mm-hmm. has not been particularly good as the first option since he got injured. But you're looking at... The issues the Nets have, and you brought it up earlier with the Pelicans, and he, if Kyrie has a bad game or if McCollum has a bad game, the team offensively is kind of screwed, and it's a big reason why it's pretty simple. Who on the Nets can create their own shot Yeah, besides Kyrie? You're looking at the Suns without Booker and why they were struggling. There's nobody that can actually put the ball on the floor confidently and actually Mm. wants to shoot the ball because Ben Simmons, we know, can dribble. He Mm. doesn't want to shoot ever, so he's not really going to be much of a threat. Uh, He had zero points last game. Mm. You're looking at Claxton, who is a nice pick-and-roll guy. He's gotten better. I believe he's a lead in the league in field goal percentage. That's because he's basically just trying to imitate DeAndre Jordan, and he only dunks. He doesn't really do anything else, Mitch makes a good point, though, that, you know, if Kelvin Johnson struggles, the Spurs offensively aren't great either. That's why I like the under in the game, because I think that there is a lot of ways that this game could go under because of a rock fight from one team, especially. But you got Joe Harris, who, you know, I completely dislike. You have Royce (laughs) O'Neal, who's a good three and D guy, but he can't exactly dribble. He doesn't look comfortable with the ball. And, you know, he's pretty much a spot up three point shooter. Yeah, that's it. You mentioned Warren off the bench. I mean, defensively he's not great, so the Nets still want to keep him in a bench role, and that's kind of it. I just think that the Nets don't really have enough guys that can actually confidently put the ball on the floor and create pressure. And if you even want to run simple pick-and-roll action, who are you going to use, Seth Curry? If yeah. Kyrie's out of the game, like you just don't have many options. So the main thing about the Nets is that When you have KD and Kyrie, you open up a lot of great opportunities for the other guys because the defense has to fully focus on those two elite scores. When you lose one of them, and Kyrie, we know, is also not afraid of being a heat check guy on occasion and take some Mm -hmm. dumb shots, it means that you can really do a good job of bottling up the other guys because if we want to be honest, we've kind of criticized Kyrie in the past when he's the one – does he make his teammates better? Not really. No, no. I mean, he does for spacing purposes, but he's never been a huge assist guy. He's yeah. a big scorer. Mm-hmm. But I think as a result, I got to go with the under because, as Mitch mentioned before, if Johnson has a bad game and Ash or if Kyrie has a bad game, I don't really trust either offense. But I've seen the Nets play. And the reason why that they're struggling without Durant is because they don't have enough dribblers on the floor When Durant's out of the lineup, they just don't have many ball handlers. So I'm going to go with San Antonio. I'm going to lean to the under.
0: Yeah, I think that for the Brooklyn Nets, the three-point shot here tonight, I think it will make the difference if they win this game or not. Um, Because San Antonio has been, I mean, defensively overall, they've been really bad, but especially their three-point defense where they do rank last um, as far as opponent three point percentage allowed, uh, you take a look at how many makes they give up per game, which is around uh, 20, uh, sorry, 13 makes per game, which ranks number 22. They're also giving up the attempts as well. So, um, you know, guys like Joe Harris, Seth Curry tonight, they're going to have to knock down their three point shot if they want to win this game here tonight uh, against the San Antonio Spurs. Um Talk about the total, Talk about side. Let's get to some player props here, Scott. Well, I'm, I'm um,
1: assuming you agree with the under, right? Just yeah, yeah, for the I lack of ball handlers.
0: Yeah, yeah. And again, it, it is concerning. With, I know Boston is supposed to be one of the better defensive teams. I'll let that game slide. And it was that first game without Kevin Durant as well, but like, I think you hit the nail on the head that it was a concern. That they only scored, what, 102, was it, against the OKC Thunder uh, in their yeah. second game with it? And, and even in ran. the game
1: that the Nets blew them out. They scored 139 points, but they also yep. only gave up 103. The Nets defensively have been very solid, right. even in this losing streak. They held Boston yep. relatively in check. OKC's been a high-scoring team. They held them to a low number. I think that even though the Nets can participate in a bit of a track meet, if mm-hmm. San Antonio wants to run it, The Nets have done a very good job of getting back in transition. I think they could force this game into being more of a half-court methodical game, especially late, especially Mm -hmm. in the fourth quarter. The Nets have had a lot of low-scoring fourth quarters all season long. You just need one bad quarter, basically, to send this under. Mm -hmm. I think at the end of the day, the fourth quarter might die in this game because the Nets have really just been bad offensively in the fourth quarter lately, and I think that could be a real problem. I don't maybe mind San Antonio fourth quarter. If the Nets are blowing him out, you have a decent shot to cash with garbage time anyway. But San Antonio at home in the fourth quarter, I don't mind. I've seen this Nets team play all fourth quarter. There's so much isolation offense. Mm. And when you're missing Durant, that's going to be a problem.
0: Yeah, last two games, excuse me, without Kevin Durant. Against the Boston Celtics, they were outscored the Nets twenty-five to sixteen, and then uh, against the OKC Thunder, they were outscored thirty-seven to twenty-two. So this maybe some less lot. than
1: twenty-three points in the fourth quarter in back-to-back games. Yeah, that, that's a problem.
0: But does it concern you that Pop might just pull the starters and like, hey, we need to tank that? <laughs> and he pulls the starters, and then uh, Nets do make a run.
1: Uh, not necessarily because I believe the league is pretending to care about tanking. So they might yeah. find him and the organization for pulling guys. No, but sure. I don't think it fully, fully matters. San Antonio don't get me wrong, on their tanking, but the players are still trying. It's not the people misunderstand the idea of tanking. It's, Part of it is, at the end of the year, we're going to bench all our good guys and just, at the end of the day, just use the, one of the worst lineups you've ever seen. Sure. In a game-in, game-out basis, a lot of the guys on tanking teams are still competing for NBA futures. They're still trying to mm-hmm. hang in there. The Spurs have a lot of young talent. You mentioned Trey Jones. You mentioned We didn't even mention Sohan, but he's still a solid player as well. Yeah. Shout-out to him for the one-handed free throw. Did the players are the percentage are still trying. increase? Yeah, he's at uh, 71% in yeah. switching to a one-handed free throw. But the idea is that the players are still trying. The point is that the players aren't very good. But San Antonio's got some young talent. I think they're feisty enough to stay competitive against a shorthanded Nets team at home.
0: Yeah. Uh, Player props in this game. Uh, guy's pointing out. Let's start with Mitch here. He's asking uh, Kyrie assists points plus uh, assists, maybe over on that. His assists right now are at five and a half at even money. He's hit um, five in the last two games without Kevin Durant. Um I think you said you went that.
1: over in each of the last five.
0: Yeah, games. yeah, over so. five and a half in the last two games without Kevin Durant. I don't hate that. I think that obviously we know that the ball is going to be in the, in Kyrie Irving's hands um, to get other guys involved. And again, in a game where you're going up um, against one of the worst three-point shooting defenses in the league, I think the opportunity for assists will be there, so I don't hate that. You have any thoughts on that, uh, Durant?
1: Uh, it's e- it's even money, so I, I got to be tempted by the Kyrie assists. Uh I think at the end of the day, with him getting six or more in uh, five straight games, and now San Antonio's defense isn't good. We also mentioned before, he's had six plus assists, but the Nets can barely even get over 103 points. In fact, the Nets have scored less than 109 in each of the last four games, and he still had six assists in each game. So I like the over there as well. I think that's a good look. I think that there's definitely some value on the assists. As for the other guys involved... I know Ben Simmons said he had to be more aggressive offensively Mm -hmm. in the next couple games, but his point number is 8.5. I
0: I, would just look at rebounds and assists for him, honestly.
1: I was just saying, I I feel obligated to lean to the under at 8.5. I I mean, he's not even looking at the rim. He can't hit a free throw to save his life. I wonder how much of his game is kind of Nick Anderson-ish, where he's so afraid of missing free throws that he doesn't even bother trying to go to the line. You know, like yeah. I, I wonder how much of that's mental, where he doesn't even look at the rim because if he gets fouled, he knows he's going to miss. And that kind of prevents him from even attempting shots at the rim. Do you think that's connected? Or do you think that's completely just unrelated, pure coincidence? Because it really does feel like he's afraid of contact whenever he has the ball.
0: Yeah, I think that. I mean, look, we, you know he's not a shooter, but we've seen throughout his career, or at least when he was with the Sixers before the whole playoff debacle, that he's a guy that can finish around the basket and, you know, get those layups and dunks. And, and I think that he's been playing well for the Nets. And I think you can attest to this watching Nets games that, you know, we've seen flashes of where he can distribute the basketball, rebound the basketball, get down the floor in transition. But I think that. If he's able to, you know, get downhill and f- get to the basket, and even if he do get to the free throw line, you know, I think that just kind of gives him confidence about trying to finish around the basket. But uh, he, there's something that he needs to contribute offensively. I think that even if he gets. 6 to 8 to 10 points a night for this Nets team that's something versus where he's hasn't been scoring at all right i mean the one game without Kevin Durant that again against Boston he did have nine rebounds and 13 assists so it's not like he's not impacting the game it's that he's going to have to find ways to at least score the basketball i mean we're not asking him to go out and put up 15 points per night even if he gets 8 to 10 points at that's something rather than nothing, but I, I think going back to your coincidence might just be coincidence but I don't know man I I, I think that's that he needs to yeah obviously he said that he needs to be more aggressive but we'll see
1: I'm just gonna ask because I went through the numbers which I had to confirm for myself in the last 14 games mm-hmm. do you want to guess how many free throws Ben Simmons has made without looking? I don't think I don't think you're ready for this information, but I'm just going to give it to you. Fourteen games. Fourteen games. Decent sample size. I know he's been injured for a couple games, but fourteen with him playing, ignoring the injured games.
0: I'll say two.
1: Okay. He's made one in the last fourteen games. Okay. You want to guess how many attempts he's had in those fourteen games? So he's made he's made one
0: okay he's made one and he's attempted mm, 14.
1: 13 all right good guesses though
0: yeah pretty good
1: in his last 14 games he's one for 13 from the (laughs) foul line
0: maybe he should try one-handed free throws maybe
1: that's why why i was mentioning the nick anderson thing because you're just watching it and his free throw shooting has fallen off a cliff and as a result he hasn't really gone to the rim at all and you're looking at his numbers in his career, he's never been a good free-throw shooter. However, he's never been below 56%. In fact, his three years in Philly, his rookie year, he was 56%. His three years after that, he was north of, or he was at 60 or higher. He's at 41.3%. Yeah. He, he can't shoot from the foul line. And I feel like most people know who Nick Anderson is with the magic and whole, that whole situation that happened in the 90s. Yeah. Isn't it connected? Because if you're afraid to go to the rim and if you're afraid to shoot the ball, it means you want nothing to do with being put at the line. One for 13 is disgusting. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 41% like I got to bring it up. I think it has to be correlated.
0: Yeah. Um, you would think at the professional level that.
1: Try a granny style. Do something. Yeah. Try, try one shot. I don't yeah. know.
0: Yeah, try something, but yeah, we, we shall see.
1: But his number is uh, at eight and a half. I'll lean under on points because yeah. I just don't think he's going to really attempt many shots Yeah, like in, in a given game. like I'm not sure he's going to attempt more than four shots. He can't go to the line because he's afraid to, and he's not going to hit anything. Yeah. And we talked about how we thought the game would be relatively low scoring, but the Nets have had an issue scoring anyway. So mm-hmm. I, I just think at the end of the day, you're going to see – Simmons struggled to really put his foot down to be aggressive, and I think that should result in less points. You can pivot over to three-pointers. If you want to look at like Joe Harris or Royce O'Neal, Harris has been horrible this season from three, yeah. but at least the attempts have gone up. So you can make an argument that there's still value on it because he's going to attempt probably north of seven. But yeah, that's kind of the main way I'm looking at it. Keldon points, I don't know. Uh, maybe Claxon double-double, but... Yeah, and say, you know, it's a bit different because Dudley was never a good free throw shooter. Like, he was always a really bad free throw shooter. And At least Nick Anderson was somewhat decent, so I guess that makes sense. Uh, Yeah, I mean, Simmons has never been a good free throw shooter. But when you drop by 20%, I got to at least bring up Nick Anderson. That drop off is crazy.
0: Um. One player props uh, I do like is Trey Jones here tonight. Um, shout out to my guy, Dream, man. He's been on this as well. Um, he's been cooking. He, yeah, and over the last five games, 31 minutes per game, he's averaging 19 points per game, 4.6 rebounds, 6.2 assists, and I think he's gone over this projection right now. Currently seeing a PRA or I think it's P uh, points and assist of 22 and a half here tonight. He's gone over this in six straight games for the San Antonio Spurs. So, um, you know, that might be worth a look here tonight for Trey Jones of the San Antonio Spurs. Um, I do see uh, TJ Warren points prop just dropped here before we move on to the next game. 13 and a half here tonight, uh, Scott, for TJ Warren. What do you think?
1: Uh, they're going to need him because, well, as I said before, they don't really have enough guys to create off the dribble. So I don't mind it. The issue is Warren is so bad defensively that I kind of yeah. wonder if he's going to end up in Vaughn's doghouse a bit. Mm-hmm. Maybe not now because Durant's out. and You're going to need all the offensive help you can get. There's a reason why you completely forget that uh, Cam Thomas is on the team. It's because he can't yeah. guard anybody, so he never plays. Like yeah. I, I just think that it's a similar story, except Warren's a veteran, great story that he's come back from injury and he's been productive, but I think I have to consider the over but defensively, he gets lost so often and Vaughn prides himself on being a defensive minded guy. I wonder if Warren's minutes might get cut a little bit moving forward because Mm -hmm. defensively, he's had some serious issues.
0: I'm going to pivot to his three point shots here tonight. It's at uh, one and a half at plus 145. He's knocked down at least two and three straight games that he's played in for the uh, Brooklyn nets and he's attempted four five and four in that span. And now you're going up against a team that again, like we mentioned, is not a very good three point shooting team. Um, and again, in a matchup earlier back on January 2nd against the Spurs team, like we talked about 23 minutes, nine of 13 from the floor. Uh, he did finish that game with 18 points, but no three point attempts, but at least this, at least over his last three games, he's gotten up an average of around four per game where he's knocked down at least two in the last three games. So at plus 145, I kind of do like that play.
1: Yeah, definitely good value. I, I still like the Warren prop. I'm just acknowledging yeah. moving forward, keep mm-hmm. an eye on him because defensively there are some problems.
0: Yep. All right. We spent a lot of time on this game. Let's get over to uh, maybe the game of the night here, Scott. We've got the Portland Trailblazers in Denver here tonight to take on the Denver Nuggets. Uh, Looking at the opening line for this game, I'm currently seeing that the Denver Nuggets opened up as a seven-point home favorite. That number has now been bet down to minus six and a half. Total opened up at 233 and a half. That number has been bet up to around 238 and a half. Looking at the injury report for both of these teams start here with Portland. Pretty clean injury report. Uh, Justice Winslow is the only one that's going to be out for the Blazers. For the Denver Nuggets, um, Bones Highland and uh, Kankar are questionable here tonight. Jamal Murray is probable. Jeff Green continues to be out as well for the Denver Nuggets uh, team. So, again, definitely keep an eye out for Bones Highland here tonight. Um, I believe this is already the fourth matchup between these two teams this season. Let me double check this.
1: That, that That's right. They've played three times already.
0: Yeah. Um, the, Portland's done pretty well. Yeah, Portland won the last matchup, one thirty. 30 – no, sorry. They won, they, the, they first won the first matchup.
1: The first matchup, they lost on the lost Jamal the Murray year. shot uh, yeah. the second time, and they got – I don't want to say run out, but they didn't perform that well the third time. They lost by 13.
0: Yeah. um, So two and one are the Denver Nuggets so far in the season series. This will be the fourth and final matchup. Uh, between these two teams this season. So, Scott, let's start with the side here. Minus 6.5 for the Denver Nuggets. What are you thinking about this game?
1: I don't think Portland's very good. I thought that they peaked in the first two weeks of the season, which isn't exactly a good place to peak. Mm -hmm. Uh, Sorry, I know Terrell's a fan, but this team is not very good right now. Uh, I do like them plus the points, though. Z, uh, plays is mentioned in good play, though. Denver first half. They're 9-1 and ATS in the first half in their last 10 games. So that play I do like. I think Denver in really the environment should be able to jump out to a decent lead. Lillard, though, has been cooking uh, the last two weeks. Lillard's been incredible. Yeah, uh, I think he's always got a shot to go for 40 against this team. He always seems to save his best game for either Denver or whenever he faces Westbrook. Either or. But the point <laughs> is, I do think you'll see Lillard play well. Jokic should play well, too. But do I really trust Denver enough to lay six and a half I don't, I don't think I can. I, Denver, yes, I know Jokic had the game-winning three. They also almost lost to the Magic at home, and they blew a decent lead in the process. Yeah. I'm going to lean Portland. I know they beat Den, uh, Dallas back-to-back uh, at home, which might mean nothing because of the fact that you're looking at Dallas as being a terrible road team. But offensively, they've been clicking. Lowered's been very good. We saw the first two games this season just – Portland's played this team close. I think they match up relatively well. I don't mind lowered points, maybe lowered assists if you think that the defense might, I don't say over because they need to, but maybe they'll force somebody else to beat them. I'm hoping that the trio of Lillard, Simons, and Grant are good enough to remain competitive in this game. The over, I guess I'm leaning to as well, but that's kind of disgusting. Yeah. Uh, I think I'm just going to go with Portland plus the points. Denver first half, I don't mind. But this game does seem like it's going to be a nail-biter. And the fact that Denver's supporting cast with Jeff Green being out, Highland's questionable, Jamal Murray's been banged up lately. I do wonder if the lack of a quality supporting cast might hurt or a deep supporting cast here. I'll link to Portland. And money's come in on Portland, which I think is kind of telling. Give me the Trailblazers plus the points.
0: Yeah, full game I I I agree with you about the De- uh, sorry, the Portland Trail Blazers
1: here. Um I don't like this team but they match up relatively well.
0: Yeah, they do. Um I, I do like the Denver Nuggets in the first quarter. Uh, they're like uh, ZS plays was mentioning that they are nine and one against the number in the first quarter over their last 10 games.
1: And that it's first half that he said.
0: Oh, it's the first half. Yeah. I see first quarter as well. And then let me check first half. Here. I'm
1: assuming that they're still very good in the first quarter, but yeah, yeah,
0: for sure. Uh, first quarter was nine and one and uh, first half of their last 10 at home. They're eight and two. So okay. uh, overall nine and one as well uh, in the first half spread. So yeah, he's spot on there. So, I think that uh, Denver will get out to our lead early. And then I think that we'll see in the second half that Portland will make this a game. So I'm going to um, I'll lean with U.S. full game plus six and a half. But again, I do like Denver early and often that that has really been a cash cow. Um, Denver first quarters. and The numbers are kind of speaking for themselves, right? Denver in the first quarter, their defensive rating is number two in the entire league, Um right behind Memphis at 99.6 for defense. Net rating, they're number two in the first quarter over the last 10 games, right behind Philly. Um, and then you take a look at Portland's first quarter uh, defensive rating. They're number 25, where they are one uh, rating of 120.9, and they have a negative net rating in that first quarter due to the Portland Trailblazers of minus 16.3, but they get progressively better as the game goes along. So um, I would look at Denver, first quarter, first half, and then I think the Blazers do make this of a game in the second half. Mitch pointing out, yeah, Damian Lillard has been cooking against this um, Denver Nuggets team this season. He's averaging 35 points per game, 9.3 assists, 5.7 rebounds. He's had 31, 40, and 34 uh, this season against the Denver Nuggets. Um, you said you're leaning towards the over. I would probably, again, shrink it to first half over as well for this game here, Scott. Um,
1: First half, first quarter. Yeah, Yeah. first
0: quarter, yeah. Uh, So I I think that that's where my money is going to go. Do you have any thoughts? You already mentioned the full game over. I think you're in agreement about first quarter, first half as well?
1: Yeah, Uh, I think you're going to see a track meet early on. I think Denver should be leading at the half. And I think Portland will make a run, and this game will be close. But we've seen a lot of close games between these teams. Yeah. And I think that's why you have seen money on Portland. Mm-hmm. I'm hoping they can keep the offense rolling and keep this game competitive.
0: Yeah, just to put in perspective your last 10 games in the second half in particular. I'm um, trying to pull up these numbers here. Uh, so let's get to some player props. Oh, here we go. Um, so Denver in the second half of the last 10 games, they do dip to number 13 um defensive wise and then portland in the second half they are top 10 in offensive rating so yeah it seems like they do make it of a game especially in that third and fourth quarter um lillard is at 30 and a half points on his points prop here tonight scott i think we, i mean i'm leaning towards you over any other player props you do like in this game
1: uh Lillard threes if you want to pivot like uh, yeah. i just think he's gonna have a massive game I was kind of tempted by Nurkic assists. It was at 2.5. It was mm-hmm. pretty juiced, though. It was like minus 150. I think now it's mostly at 3.5, but I don't mind that. Um trying to think of any other props I might be tempted by. Of course, Jokic assists have been phenomenal against Portland. Jokic assists against everybody has been great lately, but yeah. still. I'm trying to think if there's value on Jokic really for anything besides maybe – Maybe PRA, but some games he chooses to only shoot the ball five times, so I don't even know if there's value on that. Do you want to make a case for anything for Jokic? I kind of like the assists, but it was 9.5 over and minus 140. I, yeah. I, I just don't know where the value is for Jokic props. You can bet triple-double, I guess, but I, I don't even know if there's value on that anymore. His triple-doubles are like plus 170 now. I, I don't know what there's value for for him. Didn't he
0: have a game where he are like 9-9-9 nine, nine and nine against the Blazers this season?
1: I don't think it was this year. I think it was last year. He had like... Yeah, I, it was I, the first game yeah. this season. It was the first game. Like, yeah, yeah nine points, nine
0: year. rebounds, nine assists. <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's had back-to-back games or last two games against the Denver Nuggets. He scored 29 and 33. So I don't know if you want to look at a points against, prop. Against Portland, you mean? Yeah, sorry, against yeah, Portland. Yeah. Um, 29 and uh, 33 did the Joker. Um, he's been on the cusp of getting triple-doubles. It's like he's falling...
1: One short. Like either
0: yeah a two rebounds short or an assist short or like in that first game a a point in a, a rebound and assist short so maybe yeah I I, re-
1: think- I respect it and I hate it because on one hand I want him to kind of stat pad it like to stat pad it but on the other yeah. hand he doesn't care enough to actually stat pad
0: yeah I know he was getting close to averaging ten assists per game I know the rebounds are there obviously um let me see yeah he's at nine point eight assists right now. Um, he's close to averaging a triple-double uh, on the season. Last five games, he's averaging a triple-double for sure, 18, 12, and 11. Uh, and uh, 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 Scott, anything else for this game?
1: Uh, not really. I thought about maybe Michael Porter Jr. Uh, rebounds and assists under 6.5. Okay. It's a low number, but we know he's never passing the ball. So the question is, can he get rebounds? You're looking at the numbers for Porter. He really hasn't done much lately with mm-hmm. rebounds and assists. Is the reason why I don't really like him much as a player. Yeah. It's because defensively, he's not any good. He's gotten better, but he's still not great. And offensively, he's a chucker. Can we call him that? Like yeah. He's never looking to pass the ball to anybody. No. So yeah, I, 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 I was kind of looking for him as well uh, under for rebounds and assists. But Lillard assists, I think, is 8.5 and plus money. I don't mind it. I kind of wish we can go back to when it was like 6.5 because 8.5 yeah. a is a little bit high. Yeah. It's kind of like Morant now where his assists are high and you're like, I like his assists, but I'm not sure I like it at that number. Do you maybe consider Lillard double-double and just hope that Denver eventually overcommits to stopping him? I, I just don't know. But Lillard assists, I feel like, is priced pretty sharply. Mm-hmm. I think I'd rather yeah. just take the points.
0: Yeah, he's at, what, 11-8-8 eight eight, uh, against I believe Denver so. the season?
1: Or, or like, yeah, 12-8-8 eight eight or something.
0: Yeah, let's see here. Yeah, 12, 8, and 8. So um yeah, I mean, I think I'll probably be more more confident in either his threes or his um, points. Points here tonight as well. Yeah. All right, Scott, let's get over to the last game of the night. It's going to be the Philadelphia 76ers in LA to take on the Los Angeles Clippers. Looking at the opening line for this game, currently seeing the Philadelphia 76ers open up as a one-point favorite. That number has now flipped to minus one and a half in favor of the Los Angeles Clippers in this game. Uh, Seen minus two right now on the uh, Clippers. Uh, Total opened up at 223. Sorry, uh, total opened up at 227. That number has been down to 223 currently. Uh, Looking at the injury report, and maybe there's some news that came down because this number has moved. Let me get the updated injury report here. Is Paul, George, um, is
1: Paul George alive? Is, is that
0: the yeah? Case? I think he yeah. <laughs> yesterday I saw that he was practicing uh, for the Clippers, but he's officially questionable here tonight. So I think that's what may have moved the line here, um, dealing with right hamstring soreness.
1: But um, I'm, I'm assuming he's going to play. It seems like the yeah. Yana situation; he's missed some games, but the line is suggesting that you're going to see some return to the starting lineup. So yeah. I expect Paul George and Kawhi to play together which is why you have seen some movement. Mm -hmm. Do I care that much about Paul George coming back? I think it matters kind of, but is he going to be rusty? I think so. Like, uh, we don't know. I mean, I find it fascinating that Paul George comes back. Money comes in on the Clippers and the total drops about four points. Yeah. Isn't that a little bit bizarre?
0: Yeah. Last time he played was against in that blowout game against Denver where they lost. He played 14 minutes. He was one of nine from the floor. So he hasn't played in about, what, 11 to 12 days? Or he's missed oh, what the 55, last five or six games for the Clippers. So, yeah, I expect some rust uh, from um, Paul George here tonight. But uh, let's start with the side here. I guess you're leading with the Sixers. You're minus one and a half in favor of the Clippers here. Scott, what do you think?
1: I think it's pretty tricky because they they played a couple weeks ago. The Clippers were dominating at half; they were up by twelve, and then they fell apart. Uh, Philly in the second half killed them, outscored them by seventeen. Embiid went for forty-four. I, I don't think that's going to change. I don't think anybody on the Clippers can guard him. Harden had a twenty-point, eleven-rebound, twenty-one-assist triple-double. So he
0: loves playing against the Clippers.
1: F- for player props, I'm going to have to like Harden over for assists. It's at 10 and a half. I don't care. Yeah. He had 21 last head to head meeting uh, for Embiid beat points. I got to like the over as well uh, for the Clippers though. I can understand why money's come in on the Clippers because they did farewell in the first half and Philly's a much better home team than road team. Mm-hmm. I still don't think the Clippers are very good. I've been very vocal about this all season long quiet and Paul George playing together is, you know, I guess fun for some people. But you're looking at how they've done this season. They have barely been on the court together. I mean, there's really not much else to add. And I think that Philly's a better team right now. In the playoffs, I'm not exactly sold on either of these teams. But I think I'm going to have to lean to Philly because I don't want to lay points with the Clippers. Do you? Yeah,
0: I don't. You're right. They're, they just haven't been very good. I mean, you take a look at some of the teams that they have played over the last handful of games okay they beat the rockets whoop-de-doo um lost to denver lost to atlanta lost to minnesota lost to denver uh they did beat the dallas mavericks again that's a motivational spot i think for them with all the you know playoff history against Luka and all that stuff but they're very limited offensively i think um that's why money's coming on the under i mean yeah so I think I'm going to go with the more healthy team, the the team that's in rhythm right now. I know they barely beat the Lakers the other night, but it's not a travel situation, them being in L.A., so they've had, what, a night or two off here. Uh, James Harden, for whatever reason, like we mentioned, likes playing against this uh, Clippers team. I think that Joel Embiid should have success inside. I don't think Zubac will be able to stay with him. And if he, if he does, I think he'll get into foul trouble. So I, I, I think that I'm going to go with a more balanced and healthy team here. I, I like the Sixers here, plus one and a half.
1: Yeah. Uh, if you also want to look at Harden's assist numbers, uh, the last six games against the Clippers, 21-7, 13-15, 7-14. It's a lot of assists.
0: It is. <laughs> um, He's
1: also a double-digit rebounds in five of the six meetings, but I wonder how much that – four of those were with Brooklyn and they didn't exactly have a true center yeah. Uh, because they ended up using DeAndre Jordan or his corpse uh, for a decent amount of those games. But uh, maybe Harden rebounds. If you want to make a case for triple-double, I wouldn't mind it because he had it last time out, but I got to look at Harden assists. 21 assists. Like I don't think that the Clippers are suddenly going to be able to stop him.
0: Yeah, I'm trying to see what his triple-double number is. I only saw it for, I think, in this game. Let me see.
1: I'm going to see what I can find. I'm assuming it'll be... Yeah, that's where I was going to guess, somewhere in the 700s.
0: PRA is James Harden. I don't... Okay, I like how they have the triple-double number out, but they don't have
1: the actual, you know, reasonable Yeah, yeah. I, I think uh, I'd rather... I think I'd consider taking a flyer on triple-double. Like, 750 for a guy who's done this well against this particular opponent?
0: Yeah. His rebounds and assists are at
1: 16.5. That sounds very Harden. short, because we're just expecting him to get, like, 11 assists.
0: Yeah. And then, I mean, he's been getting the rebounds as well, so I think... Yeah, I'm going to add that to my card. I think that's a little low for Harden. Yeah. Um, touch on the total with both things like the under here. I think we're both on the Sixers. Any other player props you want to mention here, Scott?
1: Well, I already mentioned Embiid. I already mentioned Harden. Uh, besides that, Zubach unders probably. I expect him to be in foul trouble throughout the entire game. Yeah. I, I just don't know how Zubach is supposed to guard him. Uh, you're mm-hmm. looking at Embiid and what he does well. You can call him a foul merchant, whatever you want to call him. The point is, it's effective. And Zubach is going to really get killed in pick and roll. Like, yeah. I, I don't know how he's supposed to manage to stay with Embiid and then switch on to Harden. Don't you just assume that the Clippers have to try to kind of just accept Embiid killing them, go maybe a little bit smaller and just try to use the break a bit more? Because I don't think they can stop either guy. And you're looking at how Zubac did in the first meeting in Philly this season, and he went three for three, which is nice. He only at seven points. So he really didn't do much in general, but in pick and roll coverage, like how are they not just going to pick on Zubak the entire game?
0: Yeah. um, Yeah. I think James Harden probably puts him in a blunder here tonight. And again, that last game, both Harden and Joel Embiid just went off Embiid finished that game with 44. And like we talked about, James Harden had that uh, triple double with the uh, 21 assist in that game.
1: Yeah. But Zubak only committed one foul. He yeah. played 34 minutes and he only mm-hmm. attempted three shots.
0: Yeah, he did have 12 rebounds, but again, I think tonight is going to be a night where he does get into that foul trouble here tonight, Scott.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, yep. Embiid's going to be punting for it. So, oh
0: yeah, for sure.
1: Uh, anything else for this game? Uh, no, I think that's it. I don't know if you have any obscure props you want to mention, but I think we kind of covered the. Lineup. Yeah, I think
0: we covered. Yeah, I think just like Harden here tonight, uh, sprinkle on that triple double and then his uh, rebounds and assists here tonight over 16 and a half are the ones that I do like. All right. Uh, let's get into our lock and dog here for tonight to close out the show. Here, Scott. Uh, why don't you lead us off, my man? Uh, what's your lock and dog for tonight?
1: All right. Uh, so uh, let me just uh, check the odds really quickly for this one. Uh, so for my lock, I'm going to go with the under two twenty four in that Raptors Bucks game. Okay. I just think that number's too high. As I said before, the under I believe is eight and two in the last ten meetings. We saw these teams have a rock fight the first time out. I'm not expecting thirty something points or twenty something points in the first quarter. They combined for seventy plus points in the fourth quarter when Toronto made that massive comeback, and the game still landed two hundred five after overtime. Two twenty four I think is way too high. We talked about how both teams were involved in some competitive games yesterday. Toronto went to overtime where pretty much every starter played 40-plus minutes. Milwaukee had to use a lot of their starters for a while, and a lot of guys got a lot of minutes because Giannis didn't play, so Mm -hmm. they had to kind of piece together the rotations. I think the total's too high. I'm expecting another defensive slugfest in this game. I like the under. I think this number's too high. So give me the under 224 in that Raptors-Bucks game as my lock. For my dog, I wasn't sure if I wanted to go for a bit of a – decent money line dog or maybe take a player prop because I was looking at the Harden assists and it was kind of tempting but Harden assists has actually no longer been plus money it was last night it moved to minus 110 yeah that's kind of my bonus prop of the day so to speak i like Harden assists but i'm going to go with the spurs money line at around plus 185 the spurs are not a good team i mentioned it before but I do think looking at this overall this historical trend and looking at the Nets offense with Durant being out, I think there's a lot of room to be taken here. Uh, and I think that the Spurs, they remember getting embarrassed. Kyrie had one of the only dunks that he's had for the last, I don't know, five years. I think the Spurs give a decent performance here, and I think that we'll see the Nets struggle offensively. It's kind of a bit of a bold call because I'm back in San Antonio. But once again, you said they were 4-22, I think, since 1994 in San Antonio. Mm -hmm. I'm going to take the Spurs' money one.
0: All right. Uh, All right. For my lock, there's a couple ways that I wanted to go. So
1: I gave out three because I like Harden assists as well.
0: Yeah, I like that one as well. Probably go as a bonus lock with his. uh, So let me start with the first lock then. Uh, Harden rebounds and assists over 16.5. Love that. Uh, I think both Scott and I are in agreement about that. Um, He's just been he's a killer against this uh, Clippers team Uh, going all the way back to his days with the Rockets. So that's kind of continued when he was with the Brooklyn Nets and uh, again here with the um, with the uh, Philadelphia 76ers as well. So uh, I'll give out rebounds and assists for Harden to go over 16 and a half for my second lock. I'm going to go with. The Denver Nuggets in the first quarter, minus two is what are am currently seeing over on win bet. Talked about how they are, I believe, when I say second in net rating over the last 10 games in the first quarter. Portland, just not a very good defensive team in the first half. Sorry, in the first quarter and first half. Um, and I think, you know, both Scott and I said that we expect Denver to be up at the first in the first half. And maybe Portland does make it of a game in the second half there. So I'm going to continue riding that trend. Talked about how they're 9-1 and in the first quarter over their last 10 games and also in the first half. So um, I'll go with Denver first quarter minus two as my second lock in the first quarter. For my dog, uh, I did like the Spurs as well.
1: You can double dog it if you want. Or you can take yeah. a proper something.
0: I was yeah I was thinking about taking these Sixers here because that number started to move. To I minus thought about Embiid thirty
1: five plus points, but I decided not to do it.
0: Yeah, I'm seeing plus one ten on the Sixers here tonight. On unless you prefer Embiid
1: thirty five plus.
0: What's that number?
1: Uh, let me check. I mean, his props at thirty one and a half, so it's probably going to be like 130, one thirty, one forty. But yeah,
0: let's see alternate points. Ch-ch-ch-ch. Uh 35 plus that plus 125.
1: Oh uh, well, yeah, I'm trying to see if I can find a potentially better number. Um they pulled it. Fantastic. Okay. Never <laughs> mind. Uh, I see
0: 140. Okay. Um all right, so I'll go plus 140 for Embiid here tonight. Um we talked about how we got what 44 against the Clippers yep. earlier this year. Should expect um Subach to be in foul trouble here tonight. I know he wasn't in that first game, but Joel Embiid still cooked him. And I think that he'll be able to get whatever he wanted. and Right now, Harden and Embiid are just playing at a very, very high level. uh Embiid, three of his last four games against the Clippers, has had 35, 36 or more points. Sorry. Yeah. He had, yeah, 36. 40, 27, and then 44 of his last four career games against the Clippers. So I think that success will continue here tonight. He's been shooting it efficiently as well. So uh, Joel Embiid, 35 or more points here tonight uh, at plus 140. Definitely shop around because there are conflicting numbers out there or get the best numbers for what I'm trying to say for Embiid here tonight to cook against the Clippers. All right, Scott, that's going to do it for this Tuesday edition of the NBA Gambling Podcast. Uh, Anything else you want to mention before we get out of
1: here? Not really. Uh, Looking forward to the card. Hopefully the games are competitive and hopefully make some money.
0: Yep, uh, four-game schedule, but some pretty good games here on Tuesday night. So, hopefully it's a good night for us to catch some bets, I uh, did go 0 for 2 yesterday um, in the NBA. Not a very good night for me, so I can bounce back here on Tuesday. If you uh, did get uh, bingo in the MLK Day contest uh, for the um bingo giveaway or the $100 gift card giveaway, you should get an email uh from play action pool so definitely look out for that I know a couple guys already reached out to me but uh you should get an email from them uh, I wasn't to, even
1: I wasn't even close I don't even think I had a draw going in yeah game. I
0: don't think I, I think I had like two and then after that it was just um it was just uh not a, yeah not I have been won any of these contests here Scott so don't don't
1: feel too I, I'm over as well so
0: yeah <laughs> All right, make sure to follow Scott on Twitter uh, at Reichel Radio. Follow me on Twitter at SportsNerd824. Do us a solid if you haven't already subscribed to the YouTube channel for the NBA Gambling Podcast. I believe we're five more subscribers away from getting to 500. Uh, so do us a favor, hit the like button, subscribe to the NBA Gambling Podcast if you haven't been so already. And make sure to follow us on Twitter at SGPNNBA. Uh, Scott and Terrell will be back tomorrow for the Wednesday games. uh, So look out for them at that time till then. Good luck with your picks. Let's break these books off and let it ride.